Thank you so much, Donnie and Noel. There's a song. Um, there's a song. I think the name of it is How Beautiful, and it talks about how beautiful is the body of Christ. And uh, Donnie and Noel definitely exemplify that, as do you guys. It's part of me sometimes wants to, in worship, just look back at you all, but I don't want to make you feel awkward because uh, you are beautiful. <clears throat> Well, got a number of things. We're going to boom, boom, boom. Um, and I'm going to do announcements tonight. Karis can't be here. She's got a really bad headache. And uh, so I'm missing her. We're all missing Mama Karis, the Care Bear. <laughs> um, in a moment, we're going to have Mr. Perry Barnes come. He's from... Gideons, um, who have been such a blessing to the earth. And I'll let him tell more about the Gideons ministry when he comes, but we're grateful to have you with us tonight, Mr. Perry. Um, you know, in the Bible, it says in first Corinthians to each one is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Um, that's chapter 12 and it talks about the different ways God empowers each person to offer a gift to the body of Christ. Um, one of the blessings and manifestations of God's spirit is a prophetic word. Um, and Tommy Jaggers, um, texted me this afternoon and, uh, I just felt like it would be helpful for him to share that, um, what he was seeing to uh, us tonight. So I was uh, just spending a little bit of time with the Lord, and sometimes when I do that, the Lord will just give me pictures. Um, and what I was seeing when I was with the Lord, and I was just, you know, it wasn't anything too crazy, but I just saw Travis came to mind, and then I saw someone getting in a car and they were trying to, they were turning the ignition and it just like the, you, the someone put their hand on the key, turned the ignition and it just went, doo, 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 doo. and you could tell that, you know, it didn't start that time. And, but it wasn't like it not starting wasn't a bad thing. Okay. So I, I want to make that really clear, but I knew that as someone continued to turn that, it was going to click and it was going to turn over. And when it did, when, man, whew. I'm just going to start again real quick. Sorry. I just want to reemphasize that when someone was trying to turn on the car and it didn't turn on, I want to just say it's like not a bad thing. But I just knew as someone continued to try to turn the car on, when I, when I watched that happen again, it's like when the car turned on, there wasn't anything wrong with the engine. It was just a timing thing. 
And daggum, when that bad boy turned on, it was like my, my mind's eye took me back away from the ignition thing. And then I saw the car and I heard the engine going. And I don't know cars. I mean, y'all seen my van. Like, I don't really care what I'm driving, right? So um, it's like, whatever. So I don't even know the name of the car. It was just a sweet-looking black, I don't know. Y'all saw the, what was that that drove down really fast past us when we walked in? It was one of those, and it was black, and it was shiny. It was sweet-looking, and it sounded awesome. But I just, I feel like what the Lord was saying with that was just what he's doing here at, at Dwelling was right now we're at a place of, whoop, we're turning it on, but it's just like a timing thing. But when that thing turns on, it will be an engine that is running amazing and a car that is shiny and pretty and ready to roll. And then it's just like, like just watch out kind of thing. So I just, I just feel like I want to emphasize there's nothing wrong with the engine, nothing wrong with the car. Just keep cranking, keep cranking, and I hope I get to be here when it, like, turns on. That'd be fun. Woo! There you go. Thank you, Tommy. So I, I think that applies to us together, but I also think there's application for your personal lives. Um, <clears throat> someone who's very dear to me and I hope can come here and minister to us in the days not too far ahead is named Josh Kreider. A few of you know him in here. He was the very first one who would lead worship before we were even called dwelling. And we met right here in 2014. Um, and Josh would come and he's, um, very dear to my heart. And, um, God has really raised him up over the years. I met him as a 17 year old, the summer Karis and I got married and, uh, God joined us together, but in connection with what Tommy saw, Josh sent me a text six weeks ago or so, um, and it was simply, fasten your seatbelt. And then he sent a follow-up text, and I won't read all of it because some of it is uh, not relevant, it's more personal, but he said, for your safety, because I believe you're about to go on a ride. And then he finished it up with, it's a night ride. So, um, you know, we, from the very beginning, um, we had the sense that God was calling this ministry together to get ready. Um, so, as I've been saying for over nine years now, now get ready. <clears throat> Let me do announcements and then I'll, <laughs> that's right, get pumped. All right. So remember, next Saturday, we're not meeting here. In fact, we're gathering at 10.30 a.m. at the Adventure Serve Grounds. Um, Gabriel, you're not going to be like gone on some cross country trip, are you? All right, good. I would have hunted you down and brought you back here. The shepherd's hook or crook, whatever those things are. Um, so we're going to have the retreat there 
Um, a lot of cool things Aunt Debbie's going to be sharing, um, which, you know, she loves. She goes on worldwide speaking tours. <laughs> the Lord's been challenging Aunt Debbie. I really feel like she has something to, to offer us. She's going to speak about um, what's on her heart. Um, and we're going to bring your own lunch, okay? Um, We'll have like a little picnic lunch there. And then Michael and Morgan, the Spans, uh, are going to be leading us um, like Davey and Robin did last year in a team building activity. Um, so we'll see what my kid brother cooks up. I'm sure his wife will be spearheading that, but maybe not. Um, and they're not here tonight because Michael had to take Morgan to her first University of Kentucky football game tonight. Um, so I hope they're having fun and all right. In November 4th, remember, we're not going to be here. We are going to be gathering. We, our meeting location still hasn't been established, but we've been talking about some ideas and we'll let you know before then. And friends giving November 18th, the annual friends, friends giving. I think it's maybe six years or so we've been doing it. The first one I remember was 2017. We maybe did it before that. 2016 was your lamb <laughs> meal. I love that. Um, okay, I think that's all my announcement. Oh, Caroline and Aunt Debbie are uh, doing the children tonight. So speaking of children, kids... Come on up. Come on up. I'm glad you were the first one. Yeah, you were so sweet. Emma, we finally got you to come up for kids' time. <laughs> Thing is, when the Ferraros came, Emma was a kid. She just blows me away. She's driving and all mature and like a lady. It also scares me a little bit. It's like, what, how did they grow up so fast? Hey, we got that win last night. Did you stay for the, the, the whole game? Okay, good. Uh, it's amazing. West Jessman beat East Jessman. Uh, been around for a lot of those, participated in a lot of those. Well, kids... Zion did some coloring, but I wanted to focus on the Bible verse and what it says. Who can read that besides you, Zion? I'm not very good at reading cursive. What's that first one? Oh. Sing of the Lord's. Great love forever. Psalm 89, verse 1. Thank you, Mr. Jaggers. <clears throat> I know all of you, well, I actually don't know this. Maybe some of you don't love singing all the time. Maybe some of you don't dream of writing songs. 
and that's okay. I know, though, several of you make up your own songs, and I've heard them, and they're awesome. And what I want to tell you is, please keep singing. Please keep playing music. Please keep writing words about God and about Jesus. I think I speak for everybody here. We believe that you guys are champions in the earth. You are God's champions. And David was a champion on the earth 3,000 years ago. And when he was a kid, as a champion, he beat another champion. Do you know what champion he beat? (laughs) Amen. Goliath, who was empowered by Satan. David became a champion by beating this giant champion. Well, I believe you guys are champions who are to beat Satan to destroy the works of the devil. And you know how David destroyed the works of the devil sometimes? He did it with the slingshot when he hit Goliath, but you know how else he fought? Does anybody know how David fought and made the demons leave? How, Cohen? Absolutely. He could have never won his battles if he wasn't with God. And you know how sometimes he made the demons leave? He played music. He sang. When he played music, demons would leave the room. So, I want all of you to make music. Sing. Sing to the Lord. Sing in your bed. Sing to your parents. Sing in the shower or the bathtub. You can, all right, look, this is kind of, You can even sing on the toilet. Yeah! (laughs) God knows we have to use the bathroom. And it says, I will sing of the Lord's love forever, or I will always praise the Lord. Always, that means even on the toilet. Wherever you are, you always be ready to sing of the Lord's great love. Okay, we're going to break it down on sing, okay? Everybody put your fists in here. See, we're doing fists in here, okay? Not just hands, fists, because we are mighty warriors. And one of the ways we fight is through singing. Let's do sing on three. And remember, we don't do it loud. God doesn't even need our shout. Sometimes he wants it, but, right? Sing on three. One, two, three, sing. Thanks, kids. And kids, you may now go to the back, second grade and under. I'm going to have Perry come and share um, about the Gideons and then John Edward Bard III, the husband of Gloria, the dad of Zoe, will come and share a word that's on his heart.
I'm a Satanist. I worship the Lord Satan. That's what a college student was hollering at a bunch of Gideons that were distributing Bibles at the at a university in Mexico City a few while back. Out of 600,000 copies of God's words that were given out at that blitz in Mexico City last this last spring, we had many praises and compliments and thanks for sharing God's word. But we get a few like that that Satan has gotten a hold of. Recently at the uh, University of Kentucky, we gave out almost 6,000 copies of God's word to those incoming and returning students. One student had taken one of these testaments and came back with it all torn up in about 10 different pieces. I can't imagine the hatred and vile that that guy kid had to have to tear that thing up and hand it back and say, I've changed my mind, I don't need this. Can you imagine that? We face that every day, folks. But not to get dwell on the negative, because we do get thousands of thanks and compliments for giving out these scriptures to, to save lives. But those few that need to be saved, we have to pray for them, just like God says you have to pray for your enemy. We have to pray for those people. Now, one student in Mexico City that received that testament tried to light it on fire with a cigarette lighter. It wouldn't try as hard as he would. It wouldn't ignite. So he went away mad. About 15 minutes later, he came back and he said he realized this must be a holy book and asked more about it. Those Gideons had a chance to witness to him and bring him to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because you see, in the back of this little testament is a plan of salvation that they can sign and give their lives to Jesus. Folks, we give these out about 2.5 billion copies of these, of these since we started distributing in 1908 with a ministerial association, Midwest Ministerial Association, agreeing to buy the Bibles that the Gideons would put them in the hotels. They started with, a, with about 40 scriptures in a, of these whole Bibles in a hotel in Superior, Wisconsin, putting, putting those in the hotel rooms. You miss me. <laughs> um, but, but we've given out over two and a half billion copies of God's Word since we started doing that in 1908. Most of these, sometimes I think we're in the, uh, in the suicide prevention business because these things in a motel room will save untold number of suicides, divorces, uh, despair, and whatever you can think of because there's a help sections in the front and people will look for those. They'll also look for this Bible in the hotel room before they'll look for the bed bugs. So they're always looking for these. If they aren't in there, it's because, lo and behold, everybody's blaming everything on COVID. They took them all out during COVID because they were afraid somebody was going to get cooties from handling one of these. So most of the hotels and hotels took them out and didn't put them back in. So we're trying to get them all back into the rooms. So if you find a hotel that doesn't have them, just ask the hotel manager, and he's probably got a box. Either somebody stole it the last time they were in there, or they haven't been replaced yet, because people will take them, and we check them, the hotels every six months to replace these Bibles, or and every six years to replace them, but to make sure they're in the rooms and they're in good condition every six months. So, and in, in, in <clears throat> excuse me, being in this hotel room, we can reach 2,300 people in this six-year lifetime of this Bible in that hotel room before we re replace it. 2,300 people. 
for a cost of what used to be $5, and thanks to inflation, is now $6. But for six bucks, still divide that by 2,300. The amount of good for a few cents that this thing does is, is phenomenal. And to think you're gonna find it in almost every hotel room in the world, in the world. We gave out about 70 million copies of these just last year. So we're shooting for the goal of, of three million in just a few years, or three billion, three billion. Billion's a big number if you put a lot of zeros behind it. But that's how, how much good this thing does and what, what it's doing. A lot of people ask what the Gideons are. We aren't just some guy that just came in off the street. We're members of a, uh, a, a evangelical Protestant church recommended by our pastor. So we aren't just, just some guy that just uh, woke up one day and said, I want to go out and do something. We have to be recommended by our pastors. People ask, what church do you go to? Well, I go to the Jasmine Christian Church. That's my home church. But we've, we, uh, all of our members belong to an evangelical Protestant church. And we're members in good standing of that. And if you look at our application, we have spiritual objectives or spiritual requirements. We believe that this is the infallible word of God. No doubt about it. We believe that marriage is between one biological man and one biological woman. No doubt about it. Man, God created man and God created woman. No doubt about it. We have about seven spiritual requirements before we can join. So that's what the Gideons are. And we started in 1898 with two guys that got to bed together, two businessmen, traveling businessmen that met in a hotel room and shared their devotions and Bible scriptures one night. That started to evolve into almost 240,000 members worldwide. And one of the largest Bible distribution networks in the world, in the world that distributes these. All of our members live and work in that country. So we're missionaries in all 200 and some countries around the world. It's about th 10 that we aren't in now, which is North Korea, and you can start naming them like that, that uh, we still aren't in. But we're in almost every country in the world, every civilized country, I'll put it that way, in the world. And we live and work in those countries. We know the language. This Bible is also printed in about a hundred different languages. This happens to be a Korean uh, Bible, by, uh, bilingual, English and Korean. It's cherished by the Koreans because they can learn to study English and vice versa. But these are printed in many different uh, bilingual languages. So basically, that's that's what the Gideons are. I think I think also we need to stress too. People think this just like. Who's this Gideon? He came off the streets. He, he, he didn't, you know, what does he know? I don't know much. I'm a coon hunting country boy. But, but this, uh, this Bible is, is not just something that was just written by some off-the-wall person either. It is either the English Standard Version of the King James or the King James itself. That's the only two denominations this is written in. It says on the front, placed by the Gideons. So it's not really a Gideon Bible. It's placed by the Gideons, and it's an English Standard Version of the King James. It's not some weird copy, like a Chinese copy that they're beginning to reprint the Bible. So it's the real deal. So if you have any questions about, uh, the, Gideon, about the Gideons, what they're doing, uh, one thing I want to stress, too, we're interested more in membership and prayers than we are in money. 
but I'll be at the back with an open Bible if anybody wants to buy a few of these scriptures. Uh, 100% of what you donate will be used to buy the scriptures. It's not going to pay my gas bill, my breakfast, or anything else in the morning. It goes to buying Bibles. The Gideons just had an international convention in Louisville. The Gideons themselves buy a lot of these Bibles. We had uh, delegates from over 80 countries that met in Louisville just uh, in uh, July. The Gideons themselves distributed, uh, dis donated over 5 billion copies or $5 billion to buy copies of this scripture, just, in that, uh, just at that convention. We meet and pray every, Monday, every Saturday morning for the pastors and churches in our county. Uh, we, we take up a donation then, too, of a couple bucks every, here and there. And it starts adding up where we're actually buying the scriptures also, besides the churches. We're walking side by side with the churches to accomplish this mission. Uh, we... Uh, like I said, we meet every Saturday morning and pray for our pastors and churches. So what we need more is, is members and, and uh, prayers than, than, than money. So if anybody's interested in membership, you can go to Gideons.org and slash invite or just Gideons.org and you look up the membership requirements. And if you think you might be interested in, in developing your spiritual growth, both men and women, the women serve as auxiliary right beside their husbands to do the distributions and to witness to people. So we, like I said, we get, we get to witness to these guys uh, and, and all these, some of these uh, cases that need prayer, like this, this one in Mexico City, they needed a prayer and came back. That's a reward. The angels in heaven are singing and rejoicing for saving that guy. We're out there trying to save these souls before Jesus comes back. That's our, that's our, uh, one of Jesus' great commission. If you look at Acts 1.8, we're supposed to uh, go to Judea, Jerusalem, Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. hope I got it right. I'm a little bit dyslexic, but I think I got it right. <laughs> the ends of the earth, but there was a, uh, in Siberia, in Russia, out in Siberia, in the Neverlands, there was an isolated village out there where a villager went out looking for some food one morning to feed his family, and as he was walking across that frozen tundra, a Bible fell at his feet. He picked it up, started reading it, and it was he could read actually read uh, Russian, and it was in Russian in his own language, and he couldn't believe it, what, what had come. So he had never seen a Bible. He went back to his village and, and showed him what fell out of heaven, and they, he ended up converting that whole village to... To Christianity. What he didn't know was out of sight and out of sound up above, high above was a helicopter flying supplies to another village, remote village, and there was a couple Russian agents in that helicopter, and like good Russian agents, they started going through the supplies to see what they could use. Well, they found two boxes of Bibles in there and started throwing them out the window. So we know where one went, but we don't know where the other there's 25 of these in a the box. We don't know where the other 49 went because there was 52 boxes of 25. We don't know where the other 45 or the 49 went. We know that probably they went to some good purpose. We know where one went. We got the word back on that. So we get hundreds of these testimonies every day, and I could share hundreds of them with you, but my, I'm limited on time, and I'm limited on talent too, but time is one of them. So I'm going to 
kind of close it off here and tell you, I'm sure glad to be with you guys. I'm sure glad to see Dwellings is prospering and growing the way it is and all these young kids. I enjoy going into churches and meeting people. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be here today, Pastor, and I want to thank you and hope to come back and bring an annual report next year and tell you what we did. Thank you. Perry, if you'll stay up here for just a moment. Um, if you guys are moved at all to sow into the Gideons, I'm just blown away about how God moves in different ways and in different ministries, and I think it's without dispute it has been such a blessing for God to raise up the Gideons and um, to to get into all the places they have. And I mean, that Russian story is just amazing. Um, I'd like, Paul, if you would come and just pray for Perry. Uh, we want to pray specifically for Perry's ministry personally and also for the Gideons, and Perry will represent and stand in for the Gideons. So, Paul? Yeah. Before I pray, I just want to share part of my mom's testimony. She grew up in an unbelieving home, and one time, I think she was like eight, she was in a hotel, and she took a Bible, a Gideon Bible that was there. She took it home, and then for years, she felt terrible about stealing this Bible, and she was talking about it with a Gideon at some point, and he's like, oh, no, we rejoice when those Bibles are missing because it means somebody took it. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Jesus, we welcome you here. Lord, we thank you um, for for the way you minister through each of us and across the world, Lord. And I thank you for Perry, Lord, and, and the way that you've used him, God, um, to to build your kingdom, Lord, to, to bring your own glory, Lord, across the earth, Lord, in, in hotel rooms and in churches, Lord, and on college campuses, God. And I just, I just thank you for him, God, and for... Just the, um, like even like the reward that you're reaping through him, God. And Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we bless him as our brother. Lord, we bless him as your servant. Lord, we ask that you continue to build him up, God, and encourage him, Lord, and give him strength. Um, Lord, and give him just anointing, Lord, to, to everywhere he speaks, Lord, that it'd be like you're speaking through his lips, God, um, and that people would be touched and would be drawn to you. Lord, we thank you for the Gideons, God, and their servant heart, Lord, to, to minister to the world, God, and to bring your word in front of people, and especially people who don't see it, don't have access to it, don't normally talk with Christians at all, God, or just encounter you because they, they have the word in front of them, God. So I, I ask that you would continue to, to fund their ministry, Lord, through your resources. Lord, I ask that you would um, give them more and more people to walk beside them and, and with them, God, and that their membership would grow and be and not only grow in number, but grow in devotion and, and dedication to you, God. Um, and Lord, I ask that um, that you would just be lifted high and glorified in all that they do. Um, Lord, we, everything that we do, Lord, all our praise, Lord, all our works, Lord, are for your glory. And so we just ask that you would be glorified through the Gideons, Lord. Um, Lord we bless you and, and we bless Perry. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Perry. So if anybody feels led to sow um, directly into the Gideons, um, you can see Perry if you have your um, checkbook. And would they, I'm sure you could tell them, Perry, but they would just write a check to Gideons. Okay. Also, if you would like to get um, 
a blessing financially to the Gideons and you don't have checkbook with you right now, you can give online uh, to dwelling and then specify it to the Gideons. Um, and you might want to just let Adani know sometimes the specification doesn't come through. Or you can find Adani, um, give him a check, and, and write in the memo, Gideons. Um, and then we will write a check to the Gideons. All right. Pastor Bard, the priest, priest of the Lord. It's kind of cool because John Edward hails from Perry, Georgia. So, and this man is a walking barn. He is a barn full of the Lord's blessing. Thank you, Trav. Okay. Let's just pray first. Little Zadok is just like the priest crying out for the pure milk of your word. You prophesied through Amos saying that there would come a day that there there was going to be a famine and it wasn't going to be a famine of bread. It was going to be a famine of your word, which obviously took place from Malachi until John the Baptist. But Father, that that is so apparent in our culture and honestly in some of our personal lives is what is God saying to me? What does God want to say? And that Peter testified about you, Jesus, saying, who else are we going to go to? You are the only one that has the words of life. And so we come to you like Peter did. And as he testified of you, we agree with that testimony about you, Son of God, that you are the only person that has the words of life. So we listen to what you say, Jesus, even if we don't get it, now or in years, intellectual comprehension is not necessary. We cling on to your words and we hide your words in our hearts so that we won't sin against you, Jesus. We don't want to do that to you. Not just in the scared, I'm going to disobey and lose the blessing or lose the anointing. God, give us such a purer heart than that. And get us out of that spirit of karma that we're the ones that tip the balance. But Lord, help us to have such a tender and humble heart to you that, that cherishes your word and doesn't want to sin against you because of such great love and such great revelation of your love for us first. Not because we're scared of the consequences, but because we're just so close to you. And we don't want to hurt your feelings, Jesus. And you're just so great and, and we kiss you right on the lips. <laughs> Thank you for your lips. Thank you for the judgments of the Lord that are true and righteous altogether. Sweeter also are they than honey and the honeycomb. And so we just taste the honey on your lips tonight.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, for like months, without really knowing why or what it meant, I would just be in times of prayer, and when I pray, I pace. If I sit there and, and just try to pray, I'm going to be thinking about food. There's no doubt about it. That, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. Um, but when I walk around, I, I'm good to go. Um, so a lot of the time it's when I'm walking around at work and I just would keep praying this phrase and I wouldn't understand it. I've never even you know, heard it in a way that was memorable before. But it was, Lord, break the yoke of the Midianites. Break the yoke of the Midianites. Oh, okay. Um, turning the lights off on the Midianites. Oh, all good. That's cool. Um, mm. But I was just like, what is, like, I, I don't get it, but I know it's right to pray it. And so um, eventually I, I guess I did what I should have done the first time, but it took a couple months and I was like, Lord, what does this mean? And I just felt that the Holy Spirit reminded me of Isaiah 9. Um, and so I was like, cool, I'll check it out. I mean, I know that that's where a lot of the messianic prophecies begin. Um, and Isaiah 9 through 12 is just so amazing. Um, so we'll read a couple of things there um, in that portion of Isaiah, just as like the backdrop um, for where all this started. So I'll just begin in Isaiah 9 with verse 1. I'll just read a big chunk and Midian's in there in case you're just looking for that part. But yeah. So Isaiah 9. Mm, right after a testimony against false prophets and heeding God's word. That's so good. Immediately after that. Nevertheless, gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. Have you felt distressed? I have. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon us who were distressed as when he first lightly esteemed us. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward more heavily oppressed her by way of the sea beyond the Jordan and in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And you have multiplied the joy of the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men when they divide the spoil. And here it is. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so it was just really neat that morning that I had no clue that anything about Midian was in Isaiah 9 after all the times that I'd read it and heard it before. I just, it never stuck in my mind. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, we're going somewhere with this. And then there's another reference to it in Isaiah 10. And I'll read quickly from... I'll start at verse 20. I'll read verses 20 through 27 in Isaiah 10. For it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped the house of Jacob. Jacob in this represents viewing God through the old covenant. Israel represents viewing God through the new covenant that the remnant of Israel, such as have escaped the house of Jacob, will never depend on him who defeated him, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a determined end in the midst of the land. And here we go. This is so good. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. Assyria represents pride, particularly pride of the flesh. He shall strike Assyria with a rod and lift up his staff against him in the manner of Egypt for yet a very little while and and the indignation will cease as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. As his rod was on the sea, so he will lift up in that manner of Egypt. And this verse is pretty famous, but it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Let me say real quick about that, verse 27 there at the end. Um, I just have been thinking about this imagery for weeks. Um, and I trust, bless you, Leon. Um, I trust that it will be beneficial for you guys. Um, that shepherds like the whole like concept of the like anointing started when shepherds would anoint their sheep with oil because it they would have all these nasty bugs and particularly lice all over them and it didn't really matter if it was in you know their wool but if it got in their ears if the bug went down their ear canal that it would kill the sheep so that the shepherds would anoint the head and the ears of their sheep and it would be too slippery for the, the bugs to, to get a hold. And I just feel exactly that that's what Jesus has been doing in our lives. Even though we're like sheep, we don't have to know what's going on. That he said, come here. And okay, there's something slippery on my head. On to the next one. But that it's been making it too slippery for the bugs to get in our ears, which is a, a symbol of the things we listen to. Like Jesus said, you know, take heed how you listen and that we need to take heed how we listen and our thoughts and 
devotional lives. Um, and that also means to take heed to what we do with what we hear. Like James says, you know, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a, a doer also. If you just hear the word, man, that was a strong prophetic word or a detailed teaching that that person gave. And we all just go home like normal and, you know, we're going to get Chick-fil-A before we go watch the whatever game when we get home. That's what we're doing tonight. Um, you know, but just like, oh, man, well, that was really thought-provoking. Or, oh, man, that was a real powerful thing. Like, it must not have been that powerful if we just go home and forget about it. If, it, if this is all just memorable, we're all, this is just a club. And the people that speak, it's all just for their pride. And that the kingdom of God isn't a matter of this talk that we can do to persuade prophetically or intellectually with one another. The kingdom of God isn't a matter of that talk, but power. And that that's what the scripture is. It says that the scripture can't be broken. That our feelings that get better when we come into these sessions, those can get broken or a new thought pattern we're trying to implement, that can get broken, but the scripture can't be broken. And that, so that's why when I speak, that's why I try to just barrage, well, I usually don't even try, it just uncorks, but because I normally just want to read a few verses and I talk for an hour and I'm like, what the heck happened? But that the scripture just can't be broken and that that is what this whole session is about and how fitting that right before this that a guy, a representative from the ministry literally known for the scripture would be here. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, anyways, so the whole story of the Midianites, there's plenty of references um, in them throughout the Torah, but then there's the last reference of them, other than just talking about geographically a place, but of the Midianites as a people, and that they got completely wiped out in the book of Judges, and then we don't hear anything about them anymore. And so, funny in the alliteration that who was it that defeated Midian was Gideon. And so we're going to talk about Gideon tonight. Um, and Gideon's name, I just love, you know, just how God puts these clues about people in their name. I mean, even with himself, like, I am who I am. Uh, and then his son, that God's salvation, Jesus, that's what my salvation looks like. But that Gideon's name means to cut off or break. Um, and that's what I need. And that's what I pray that tonight would be, is that the, this yoke of Midian, and, and I don't know necessarily what all the Midianites represent as it comes to you know us as a group you personally um i don't know but i do know that as, as the holy spirit has bubbled that prayer out of me for months now that i know that the yoke of that oppressor has been over us even if it's subtle and that jesus didn't do what he did to make us 90 percent free 93 percent free he's here for everything that he's like zeal for my house is eating me up I can't stand it. I cannot stand it to see you limping around. And let's not be prideful and not stretch our arm out to be healed when he says that, you know, that that guy could have been like, well, if you're going to be powerful enough, you can do it without me stretching my hand out. Don't you be prideful and don't reach it out. 
And that's the whole point. It's reaching his hand out to Jesus that healed him. Tonight, let's just reach our hand out to Jesus. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest parts of our healing. So, about Gideon, let's go to Judges 6. You know, Gideon's probably the most scared dude in the whole Bible. And that's just really funny to me. I mean, I can't think of anybody else that it says repetitively that they did that or they did this because they were scared. I can identify with that. And that the Bible, as I probably say every time I've ever spoken since I read this, that the Bible has one master antidote to fear, and it's perfect love. Um, that it says that perfect love is what casts out the fear. And that, so that's what you need, and that's what I need, is the revelation of perfect love. And how funny that such its replacement is the fear of the Lord. Like, I just... It's just so different. He's so different than I thought, than I imagined. Okay, Gideon. Judges is just the Ferris wheel of powerful man delivering Israel and then quickly forgetting about it. Doesn't that kind of sound like our lives? That sounds like my life. Is, man, that was a really big thing. And then back floating on to Baal again. Which Baal is just, right now to me, I just see it as the American dream. I, I hate it. All this, and even one symbol of it being the, you know, explosion of the popularity of the hamburger and just eating cow meat that Baal was represented as a cow. That's why we're going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Amen. Is, is chicken an unclean bird? I, right? That's, that's probably what Daniel and his friends are facing in Babylon. Sorry, I, I'm one of those that said, give me the chicken. I'm not that spiritual yet. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be eating chicken. Okay, Gideon. Judges 6, beginning at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord, shout out to what I think about the angel of the Lord. I think the angel of the Lord is Jesus. And this passage goes on to hint at that being true. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, just there. Jesus just there, waiting on you, waiting on me. Which was in whatever that Hebrew word is, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And this, earlier, just for the sake of time, whoever wrote Judges was talking about how thoroughly the Midianites had crushed Israel so bad that they, like, the whole nation went and started hiding in the cliffs in mountains. Like, we've been under some attack but we hadn't gone and lived in the mountains yet 
they were kind of getting battered around. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, that is to say, sir or mister, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Ever feel that way? Then why did that happen, Lord? Why did that happen to my church? Why did that happen to my family? Why did that happen? Why did you let me make that mistake in my life? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him. See that it, the title transitions from the angel of the Lord and it says now to the Lord. So the, I think this is Jesus there in front of him. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O oh my Lord, and that's to say Adonai, God, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And I know that this is backtracking some, but I just want to go back to the point of Gideon threshing the wheat while he was hiding in the wine press. And, you know, Jesus had his wine press hour too. And that, you know, he said that, you know, what, what happens to me is going to happen to you guys. And that, sure, the body of Christ is, has been in a wine press time, but a lot of us have been too. You know, not even like a specific situation that's been pressured, just like that feeling in life that's just been the pressure cooker. And that although that Gideon was in there arguably for fear of the Midianites, that he was still getting food ready for his family. And guys, be of good courage in our wine press time because that is where Gideon met Jesus face to face and he's getting bread ready for his family. And I'm telling you guys that the, whatever everyone says about the, the last harvest and all that stuff, it's going to be through you believe along with your whole household. That was the pattern the apostles gave. That was the first wave of evangelism was so great this happened to you, now you're the evangelist to your house. And so you guys, I, and I've had to do this, I've been extremely bitter with my family, particularly my father, for a long time. And that the Lord as you know, because giftedness and revelation is not always in correlation with righteousness and fruitfulness and, you know, pure intimacy with God. There's plenty of examples of very, very gifted people that weren't living exactly right, you know? So that, anyways, so he meets me a couple years ago and is like, it's all going to be through the household. I'm going to do it in the house. 
I'm going to just put the anointing on dads and they're going to love their wife the same way that he loves the church and they're not going to provoke their children to wrath and all these other, like that's how this is all going to go. You guys think the, the, the last wave of evangelists is going to be anointed preachers and I'm saying the last wave of evangelists is going to be husbands and dads. And so I'm just like, yes, please. And he's like, but you literally met me and ran away from your family and totally disregarded them, cut them off. And these years, the Lord has been, maybe two or three years now, the Lord has just really been restoring my heart for my family. And I encourage you guys to do that for your family. And I mean stuff like second cousins and great uncles and the distant relatives. I mean, Jesus, arguably, Jesus' greatest ministry partner was his cousin. So... And a lot of the disciples were brothers. Anyways, so we've been in the wine press getting ready to meet Jesus face to face and also to get bread for our families. Let's keep going. What time is it, Travis? I don't know. Okay, we can do it. Oh, it's correct? Okay. So then Gideon says to Jesus, well, that's bold, says to him, if now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it's you that talks with me. And then there's just this incredible, we'll just save the time, incredible moment where Gideon brings the angel of the Lord a sacrifice and that it immediately burns up right when he places it on the rock and immediately just disappears in, in flames. Now to verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, like, oh no, I remember in the law, nobody can see God and live. Which, that's still true. You can't see God and live the same anymore. Mm. You can't see God and live for yourself anymore. And, and Gabriel, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they are the ones who get to see God. And that is you, little bro. God has just made you someone with a pure heart. And whether you get to see him in a dramatic, the veil of heaven opening and you see him sitting on his throne, I hope so in this lifetime, because you will be there in the next lifetime. But, but whether that happens in this lifetime or not, because of the pure heart that the Lord has given you, you're just going to get to see God everywhere. You're going to get to see God in everyone. And that, you know, you'll just, and you probably see it at school, just like a subtle thought, like you just pass by somebody like, why did I just think that about that person? Because that person is made in the image of God. He put a puzzle piece of himself inside of them. And because you have a pure heart, you get to see God, that you're seeing that puzzle piece of God inside of their lives. And a lot of people say, well, he's got this incredible gift of the discernment of spirits. And partially that's true. But another part of it is just, you just get to see God. Everywhere, anytime. That's your future. So, and you don't even need goggles for it. That's just who you are. So... For all of us in our wine press hiding, getting bread for our family, and our excuses, it can't be me. I'm the least in my father's house and from the weakest tribe. It can't be me. Uh, you know, 
And maybe some of us have the other problem. We're ready to throw our resume up there first. Oh, it should be me. Look at how much I've done for you. Look at the sacrifice I've made for you. I would be real careful about that. And I have definitely done, and no one would, I don't know, but probably not say with their words, Lord, I'm so deserving of the anointing. Look how great I've been. I mean, beware. (laughs) But but it's just that secret drive in the heart. I deserve this. You should give that to me. You should give me that power. You should give me that key. Just like Leif Jacob, right before I came up here, just like looking at me and jingling his, the keys right in front of my face. But sometimes the flesh nature is doing that too. Jingling the keys right in front of you. You're so, you should so take this. You should so do it. But just like the word, and let every word be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses, I believe clearly that, it, that things are starting to click for us personally, like the vision that Tommy shared, things are starting to click, 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 click. Things in our hearts are starting to click, but it's not going to turn over yet. I think that we have to be the ones that turn over um, and that we've been laying on our backs asleep, but we're going to lay on our face and worship. Okay, enough rabbit trailing. I have 15 minutes. I think that it's really interesting, not that we'll stay here for long, but a huge part of Gideon's ministry there at the end of chapter 6, if you want to check it out later, is that, you know, the Lord speaks to him and tells him to, you know, overthrow this Baal altar, um, and then everybody's so mad that he destroyed the Baal altar in Israel. I mean, get ready Church of United States, they're going to get mad when we come in, when us Gideon people, what, Tim, are you okay? Oh, okay, just hallelujah, yes. Um, they're going to get ticked off when, when we're raised up to come in, like thieves in the night like Gideon did and destroy their Baal altars that are right there in the house of the Lord. And they've been serving the God of money. And really they've been serving. And we've been serving the God of our own belly. Just like when I sit there and I'm praying, oh Jesus, thank you so much. Oh man, I can't wait for breakfast, you know. And that it's like, that is, that is just a small way of that's been me serving the God of my own belly. In a, I mean, kind of a silly way. But that it's just a sign. Um, but... In our middle of the night time, we're going to get out of the wine press, meet Jesus, and we're going to go destroy the bell altars in Israel. And it's going to make just about everybody we know mad. Um, and, and we're not going to do it. We're going to talk about you know the weapons of warfare in a little bit, but it's not going to be with getting in people's faces and hollering at them. It's going to be the real love and there's been that fake love stuff. The love is love, LGBT, XYZ. I mean, I want to smash that in the face, not because like whatever about the thing that they've got in their life, but I mean for the counterfeit of love and identity that it is. 
I mean, that is just the spirit of Jezebel, and, and we're, we're going to have a huge showdown with the spirit of Jezebel at the end. One of the last prophetic things about the whole Bible in Revelation 17 is the showdown with Jezebel and her quick fall in chapter 18 and the merchants of the earth crying because the church killed Jezebel. Anyways, that she's behind a lot of that stuff. Anyways, perfect love is on the way. You are becoming a person that's perfectly loved and therefore will have no fear. And some of our middle of the night stuff is going to be in broad daylight stuff too. Like Stephen. Like Acts 2. Like Jesus in the temple. And Sue, you've been on middle of the night missions tearing down bell altars in church congregations when you pray when it's dark outside. Just like Jesus, or well, I guess Jesus being the Bible. But somewhere in here it says that what happens in the dark will be made manifest in the light. What you've been praying for when it's dark outside is being made manifest when it's light outside. For real. Let's go to chapter 7. I'm going to speed it up. Verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with you are too many. They're outnumbered like a thousand to one, and there's too many people here. I kind of think that's about leaders in the church, but moving on. The people who were with you were too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand saved me. Thank you, Lord, for making the battle impossible so that you prevent us from being arrogant when you win. Because then if we get in pride, he has to oppose us. The scripture confines all. That it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I'll let you get kicked around some actually to help you stay humble, which means I can keep being gracious to you. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once to Mount Gilead. And again, it just comes back that those, if we, if any of us deal with fear, and I mean more than the fear of spiders or roaches, um, or the fear of the dark, I mean like the fear of rejection. And and I mean the fear of other Christians rejecting us. The fear of our, you know, spiritual covering rejecting us. Fear of God rejecting us. That it's like, if you've got that, Jesus said about the end times, Luke 21. He says, and in those days, many people's hearts will fail them because of fear. That they'll have a heart that wants to do the right thing and live the right way and speak the right word, but eventually it'll just wither out and fail because of fear. Please pray relentlessly about the issue of fear in your life. Please pray constantly about fear in this ministry. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever from my beloved Psalm 73. Okay, verse 4, chapter 7. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. 
Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Mm. I'll do it for you. You're not smart enough. I'll test them for you. Then it will be that whom I say to you, this one shall go, the same shall go. And whoever I say, this one shall not, shall not. And they do the thing. We all know the story. They go down to drink water. And those that got on their knees and plunged their head in to drink, they didn't go. But the people that cupped the water and drank, that those were the people that did go to the battle. And that, you know, a lot of people think, and I think too, that that's a symbol of their vigilance in the battle. You know, the people that get on their knees and start drinking straight out of the river, that, that they're not ready if there's a sneak attack. Um, but the people that, you know, bent down, cupped, and drank from their hand, that those were the people that were ready. And, you know, that there's, while there's a lot of people that are so keeping the peace vibe and um, almost just like in this hippie thing that they, they won't get in the fight. And yes, the, the scripture says there's a time for peace and a time for war, but I don't think it takes a genius to realize this is a time of war. And that doesn't mean that the time of peace stops on your inside. That means that God is the, the man of war through you. That you don't have to do it. That just like Isaiah 9 said, you'll throw away all your, your bloody clothes. Not like we're British. Your bloody clothes. But your bloody garments and your shoes, you'll throw them in the fire. You don't need them anymore. Because I got it. The battle's mine. But it is a time for war, folks. Like, it is a time for the the heart of the church to be Jesus's. Who gets to see Jesus? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. Both. Um, but then, then there's the other people, and I know a lot more people, and I have been a lot more this person than the aforementioned, is the people that tried to get the victory through their prayer lives, through their ministry, through their personality, just by ramming it as hard as they can. And, you know, people that, you know, I, I'm going to tear down all the principalities in the whole state of Kentucky by myself in the next five minutes. And that that doesn't work. I remember one time in college... Um, I just made up my mind that I was going to pull down the whole principality over my college town. And that was, <laughs> wow, I'm not enough for that. I'll tell you that much. I developed severe laryngitis and then a bleeding stomach ulcer and then like got choked out in the middle of the night by a demon. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. I want to wait for when you say it's time because I, I'd probably drive the car into the road. I just need stuff to click first before we start driving. And there was a lot that hadn't clicked in 2018. Um, it's just surreal. Anyways, that Paul says our weapons of warfare aren't carnal. There are so many people, and, and us at times, we have tried to win the, the war over our oppressors and the war to win people to Christ, we've done it carnally. 
That, and, and Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, that who put witchcraft on you that you would begin by the Holy Spirit and then seek to be justified through the flesh. And he equated carrying out God's stuff by the power of our flesh as witchcraft in Galatians 3.2. So sometimes we discern the spirit of witchcraft in places and the, the first thought is to be like, oh, well, a witch is cursed in this place. Well, what if it's just the scripture that says the Holy Spirit's begun something with this movement and people are trying to take the wheel from Jesus. They're not saying, Jesus, take the wheel. They're saying, Jesus, I got the wheel. I got it. And what does it say right before that Galatians 2.21? I don't nullify the grace of God for if righteousness could be earned through the law, Christ died for no purpose. That if you got to take the wheel and you got to win people to Christ and you got to pray it out, then Jesus did what he did on the cross for nothing. Let's not say that passively or actively. And I just love that when, when they went to battle a little later, everyone, it says they brought their sword and their trumpet. And I just think that there's a lot to be said about that. And I guess I'll conclude with this. It happened that same night, and this, you know, after seven years of the Midianites smashing Israel relentlessly, that this is all taking place in a couple of days. That when it's slow, it's slow. But when Jesus hits the gas, it's all the way. Verse 9, it happened the same night as the separation of the groups that the Lord spoke to him saying, Arise and go down against the camp. I've delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down to the camp. So then what did he do? It says, if you're afraid, go get Pura. Then he went down and got Pura, his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valleys, numerous as the locusts, and their camels were without number and as the sand of the seashore in the multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. We never get the guy's names, but it would be really sweet to be the unnamed prophetic dreamer and prophetic interpreter here. I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So these two dudes are just in their tent together. They have no clue that Gideon and Pura are walking right by. I mean, what an incredible moment that, that dude wakes up from his dream, wakes up his friend, listen to this. And all at the same time, that's right when Gideon and Pura walk by. And how funny about the, the loaf of barley being a symbol of Gideon. 
that what was he doing all the way back in the wine press when Jesus met him is that he was getting bread ready for his family. And I just find that really neat. Oh, I thought that was the microphone. So we all know what happens. Israel circles up around the camp, their clay jar is broken, and Midian is destroyed without anyone getting in the fight. That's pretty amazing. And I want to say to all of us, and we, most if not all of us in here know this, you know that the men have the torch inside of the clay pot and that when they blew the trumpet, they broke the clay pot and it was time to go. That we all are that clay pot and that in order for the battle to be won in the church, in the United States, in our families and us personally, that we have to be that clay pot broken for the fire to get out. That the Midianites were not scared of the clay pot. They were scared of the fire. And the same is true about the demons, the same is true about our culture, and the same is true about the flesh, that it's not scared of us, but that when we're broken and done for, that they have no answer to the fire. They're so scared of the fire. And that's what I wanted to close with, is that everyone that tries to save and preserve his life, they lose it. Everyone that says, no, me being a clay pot is so awesome. I'm so worth it. I'm so anointed. They lose their life. But those that give their life up, you can do what you want. Those are the ones that save it. And, and there's such a measure of that that although we have long heard that that's correct and we know at least with our mind that that's how this is all going to get done. The majority of us have not reached that. Probably no one here has reached that point of you can break me all the way, just let the fire come. And that how interesting, Jeremiah saying that is not the word of the Lord like a fire that burns everything up. Not, it doesn't say it just burns up the bad stuff. It's the word of the Lord that's a fire that burns everything up and that he is going to burn everything up and that the good things like gold, they get purified by fire and the unnecessary things like straw and stubble, they don't make it too long. And so thank God for that fire that's burned what's unnecessary out of us and is burning what's unnecessary out of us. And so my concluding encouragement with please pray relentlessly for your personal and our corporate revelation of the perfect love of God to deliver us of fear. That secondly, please press in and don't let go of this lesson that everyone that tries to preserve himself loses himself. Everyone who surrenders himself, he lives. And, you know, the, the greatest story of all time was a man that died first. And that's where we have to come. If we want to be participants in the greatest story ever, in the salvation of everything, you know, restore, what does it say about Jesus? Restoring all things in heaven and on earth. That we've got to follow those footsteps on death row. But I think that it's there that we find there's the love that's stronger than death.
So I guess I can pray in conclusion. It's after seven, I think. Um, or did you have anything else to say following? Why don't you come up? Rachel, would you mind coming and closing in prayer? Um, I just think everything that John Edward has said tonight has been on the bullseye. And um, I think it applies to us and applies to God's chosen people in Israel. And I wondered, Rachel, if you would pray specifically for Israel. And uh, let's join together. The the people of Israel are, are precious to God in a special way. And um, they need our prayers right now. Yes, Lord, I thank you so much for John Edwards' message and his humility and, um, and yeah, the way that your spirit just is able to speak through him as he, as he boldly seeks you daily. And it's, it's because he, he knows that he, he's a hungry guy. He can't eat bread and then uh, live off of it for 10 days. He needs bread every day, every day, every day. And because he's feasting on your word every day and every day going to prayer, then, then your spirit's able to speak through him to us, God. And I thank you for that, and I just pray that you would increase his spiritual hunger more and more and satisfy him more and more with yourself and give him more and more like the um, the 12 baskets of leftover bread that more and more you would just like give all this leftover bread to him that he can just throw out to everybody and just like pass out all this leftover bread um, that's like not leftover as in bad but just extra because it's good. And, um, and Lord, I do just lift up Israel today, and, and, um, and God, we know that your heart burns for your people, that your heart burns for your firstborn son, um, that you are a consuming fire, and, uh, um, and you want your son to look at you and say, I love you, and I want to be with you forever. You want your son to, to reach up his hand and hold yours, and say, Father, lead me where you want me to go, and I want to walk with you, and I want to be with you forever. And God, we know that um, that you are in control, um, and that you um, are not a lazy father, that you do not go to sleep when the um, thief is coming in the night um, to your house. And so, Lord, we just... We thank you for what you are doing for your people right now. And um, we know that fire does not feel good. It hurts. It really hurts. Reminds me of like when I was like in labor with Phineas and I was thinking like beforehand, like labor is such a cool symbol of like prayer and about like how when we're in labor, it's like we're praying and all this cool stuff. And then when the labor hits, it just really does not feel good at all. (laughs) <laughs> and you just want that baby to come out. <laughs> um, and so, Lord, I just, I just pray that, um, that your justice and your mercy would come swiftly to your people and that, um, that you would just drive out the demonic spirit of jihad coming against your people, Lord. Um, and I just pray for revival in Israel, and I pray for um, that this would just be a time where your spirit just pours out in an amazing way and that your gospel goes forth from that place and for protection. And God, I just continually am praying for the children in Israel that they would have dreams of you, Jesus, 
that they would know you as their best friend, as their father who loves them more than anyone. Um, I just pray that for every single person, God, for each one of your people, that they would know like one of Phineas's songs, like, my mom and dad love me, but Jesus loves me more. And um, Jesus, that you would just reveal yourself as the Messiah who loves each of them more. And for your people scattered all around the world, looking for answers, looking for the meaning of life, um, that they would just find it in you, Jesus. You are the answer. You are the meaning. You are our portion forever. Amen. Perry, before you go, um, I just feel like that <clears throat> the Lord just reminded me of the um, the parable of the talents where, you know, that um, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will give you charge over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. I just feel like that Jesus, the master, says that about you. And I feel like that there's going to come at the same time, maybe not immediately, but at the same time, such an urgency about evangelism and such a strong Holy Spirit empowerment for it again. And that you uh, are being sent like you were given milk to the babies, the pure milk of God's word. That's you so plainly. So thank you. I'm an ambassador of Christ Jesus. Thank you for the faithfulness to my master. And, um, and he's so happy about you. He says, come enter into my joy. And I see you like a raisin. Um, and firstly, in the raisin, I see his thumbprint in the raisin. That his thumbprint, his seal of like thumbs up to you, but also his like holding you. You just, you are his thumbprint. But that it's the play on words too. God is raising you up. You have been raised up. What's the prophet's name that means the Lord is raised? Is it Jeremiah? Do you remember? Eliakim. Man, and with Leif Jacob jingling the keys. But anyways, the Lord has raised you up. You've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this when the body of Christ needed a Perry Barnes. That's when you came. And you've been, you've been like one of the wise men too um, that's shown where Jesus is. Um, so again, thank you from my master. Um, and he's so happy to have you. And he does have you. And th that you are going to experience even, you know, in these years, you are going to experience such a complete deliverance from fear in every way, subtle fear in your motives and subconscious. You're going to be completely delivered of fear before Jesus comes back or you meet him, whichever one first. I just believe that for you, man, and pray Psalm 34 over you. Amen to that. Thank you again, Perry. Reminder, 1030, Adventure Serve, a week from today, 1030 a.m., we might be still rocking at 10.30. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, Craig, it was a special blessing to meet you and uh, to have you here again. Um, we are glad to have you in our midst anytime. Amen. Go in peace.